eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome in, everybody, to the latest episode of the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown, joined by our fearless leader, Horns 24-7 Managing Editor, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? Chip, I'm doing all right. How about you? Hey, I made it back from Stillwater. Uh, I went to a really smoky casino in Oklahoma where I had to ante to play blackjack. I'd never experienced this before. But, uh, hey, I made it. Made it up to Stillwater. Saw another crazy, are you kidding me, finish to a Texas Longhorns game where, once again, for all the good, there was bad. For all the bad, there was good. But there was just a little bit more good at the end and Texas pulls off the win 41-34 in overtime over Oklahoma State despite Oklahoma State putting goal posts or what looked like goal posts up on their video board to flummox Cameron Dicker he made the field goal with some help from our man Ryan Buchevsky on the hold and and Sam Ellinger kind of piddles around for three quarters and then boom Seven of nine passing in the fourth quarter and overtime, including three fourth down conversions on a 15-play drive that included a 15-yard penalty against Oklahoma. Or well, a first down personal foul roughing the punter on Oklahoma State on fourth and 22, Taylor. I've seen it all. I've seen yeah. it all. I know. This Texas team will you never know what's gonna, what you're going to get. It's like from uh, Forrest Gump, you know, they're like a box of chocolate chocolates for this season. You never know what they're going to bring up to the table. They could show up and on know, Halloween, no less. Yeah. Chocolate uh, trick or treat reference there. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was a good win. You know, Texas hadn't um, picked up a win against a top 25 ranked or a top 10 ranked opponent on the road since uh, what was it? 2010 against Nebraska now, but the, you know, I think a lot of Texas fans right now hearing that stat, you might be a little concerned because that was um, not the best finish for Texas in 2010. So it's going to be interesting to me, Chip, to see how this, this team really kind of um, responds to, you know, pulling the upset over Oklahoma State in a game where they were, I mean, it was kind of a little bit more like a pick em. I think they entered the game as a three-point underdog, but still, I mean, this is going to be a, a true test this weekend when Texas faces a West Virginia team that's only getting better week in and week out and has one of the best defenses in the conference. Yeah, I, I agree with you on the, the um, 
I actually wrote about that last time they won uh, against a top 10 team on the road, that trip to Nebraska when Nebraska was getting ready to leave the Big 12, go to the Big 10, and they couldn't wait to just serve up some Bevo steaks there in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, the fans were there two hours. I mean, in, the student section was full two hours before the game, and they were a top 10 team, and Garrett, Crazy Legs Gilbert ran for 71 yards and two touchdowns in that game and stunned Nebraska. And, and then they came back home and played Iowa State, an Iowa State team that had Tom Herman in it as its offensive coordinator. And Texas lost that game, and Mac unraveled at his press conference. That's when he said, you can't trust your players, you can't trust your coaches. And as you mentioned, it all spiraled into a five and seven season. And, and oddly enough, it was that game against Iowa State that caused Will Muschamp to recommend Tom Herman to Urban Meyer when Urban Meyer was visiting Florida in 2011 and thinking of getting back into coaching at Ohio State, which he did, hired Tom Herman, won a national championship in 2014 and now here we are tom herman is the one that has to guard against um you know getting the the best shot from a west virginia team that leads the big 12 in run defense pass defense interception sacks and has the number two rusher in the conference and letty brown and by the way texas is one and four all time against West Virginia in Austin. Yeah. How about that? Well, the last game was one uh, to remember, right? In 2018, the Texas-West Virginia game when, uh, who was it their quarterback at the time that got flagged for doing horns down? And that's what started the whole <laughs> horns down thing, you know, being a big deal in that season. Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be, this is going to be an interesting test. And the thing that I thought was kind of, interesting about the Texas Oklahoma State game you know Texas it it ended up playing out perfectly for the Longhorns however you know Oklahoma State really really dominated the Texas offense for the majority of that game and then Oklahoma and then the Texas defense really gave up a ton of yards I mean I wasn't didn't Oklahoma State outgain Texas by double I think um in that Five, game. 530 to 287 yeah so almost double, you know, and that that's something that has to be cleaned up by Texas. You know, uh, Oklahoma State, obviously, they have one of the better defenses, too, in the conference, but their offense has been up and down a little bit. They have really poor offensive line play. They had, that's been, you know, we talked about this last week, Chip, on going into the game about, you know, it's suspect at best for the offensive line play. Um, it was good to see the Texas defense really get some pressure and that goes into Joseph Osai, honestly. I mean, that man played with his hair on fire. Um, and I, I think Texas is going to definitely need that type of performance going up against this West Virginia offense that seems to be getting better week in and week out, which we always talk about. The signs of a well-coached team is week-to-week improvement, and that's what you're seeing from Neil Brown and the Mountaineers this season. Yeah, no, no question about it. And I think you look at, I mean, like everything this season with Texas, you look, there's good and bad everywhere. There's just not any consistency. So the defense 
for Texas has been really good against the run and especially against Oklahoma State, holding them, you know, holding Chuba Hubbard to under three yards per carry and, and holding their entire run offense to 2.5 yards per carry. But they gave up, like you said, a truckload of passing yards, 400 passing yards. Fortunately for Texas, Spencer Sanders was turning the ball over. Mm-hmm. And, and so, and the Texas defense did its job in forcing three of those. One of those was a botched handoff from Spencer Sanders to Chuba Hubbard, which I was like, what were you thinking, dude? But it gave Texas the ball at the eight yard line. Keontae Ingram uh, ends up punching it in for a touchdown. Then Ingram leaves the game and he's going to be out. Uh, Tom Herman said this week that Ingram's going to be out for a few weeks with a high ankle sprain. So that means. Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson handling the running back duties against the league's best run defense. And Taylor, they so kudos that the Texas defense forced the turnovers, gave the the inept Texas offense great field position. I mean, they gave them the ball at the eight, the eighteen, the Oklahoma State twenty, and the Texas forty-one. I mean, if you can't you know, put points on the board from that. And they did. They put 21 points on the board from that. They got a 100-yard kick return from Deshaun Jameson and one touchdown from the offense on a drive in regulation. And that was that 15-play drive with the three fourth down conversions, including the the fourth and 22 roughing the punter penalties. So, I mean, Texas, I say this, they make everything hard, it seems. They make everything hard. Great. The run defense is great. The pass defense is terrible. The offense is just treading water for three and a half quarters, and then boom, they have the 15-play drive and overtime, and Sam Ellinger is 7 of 9, and Jake Smith's catching the ball, and finally Josh Moore catches a pass for a touchdown in overtime. It was his first catch of the game. He's the leading receiver on the team. So you're, you're scratching your head, as always. There were 13 penalties for 142 yards, which Texas fans are just spitting out their beer over. <laughs> and we'll see. I mean, week-to-week improvement. We thought there was some improvement against Baylor, but Baylor you know, just got housed by TCU. They're getting housed by everybody. They're the COVID clan. And, and so a, a great performance against Baylor almost seems like ho-hum, like, you should have a great performance against Baylor. So like back in the day when Baylor earlier in the, you know, two thousands when Baylor was in the big 12, when you knew it was just going to be an automatic win. If you're a team like Texas, that has more talent, right? Pre art Bryles and pre Matt rule. Mm -hmm. So then you look at what West Virginia, you know, West Virginia is up and down a little bit. I mean, they, when they've been good, they've been really good. Like they shut down, K-State's offense in a big way. I mean, held them to, um, what was it, seven, uh, 53 yards on 27 carries. I mean, just shut them down. And Will Howard, the quarterback, threw three interceptions, one for a pick six. So West Virginia was outstanding on defense. Now, when they went on the road to Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, they gave up. Rushing yards. They gave up rushing yards to Chuba Hubbard and L.D. Brown at, at Oklahoma State. They gave up rushing yards um, to Sir Roderick Thompson and Henry Columbia, the new quarterback for Texas Tech, and and they lost those games. So 
they've not shown that they can go on the road and play the same kind of defense that they've played at home. But as Tom Herman pointed out this week, when he was asked, why are you so good as an underdog and why are you getting beat when you're a ranked team by all these unranked teams? And Tom Herman said, well, we got to do a better job of convincing our players that we're going to get everyone's best shot. And here comes unranked West Virginia. That's, coming off this great win, probably going to feel better than they have going on the road. And Texas has got to learn how to handle, um, you know, the, these getting up for the little games under Tom Herman. They get up yeah. for the big games. They don't get up for the little games. And the little games are the ones that are getting him. Seven times he's lost as a ranked team to an unranked opponent, most in FBS, since he took over at Texas. So, Taylor, this is a tough one this week because it's more of a mental uh, challenge and we'll see if this team has finally reached the point where it's like, okay, guys, here, we can build on this. We can sustain this or we can do that and then put a complete game together because the only one we've seen really outside of UTEP, which was a passing scrimmage, was Baylor and Baylor's terrible. Right. And it's an 11 a.m. game. And that's another thing that Texas has not played very well historically, honestly, under Tom Herman. Um, I mean, in this season, they're 0-2 in 11 a.m. kickoffs with the two losses against TCU and Oklahoma. Um, You know, kind of circling back, Chip, when you were talking about, you know, like just how – there, it's basically three and a half quarters, you know, where you just never know what's going to happen. You're not, is that on coaching to you? Cause at some point there, Texas has all of the talent that has the most, in my opinion. And I think in a lot of people that know a look about college football would agree that Texas is one of the most talented teams for sure in the big 12, if not, you know, playing today from just a raw talent standpoint. However, they're four and two with two losses to teams that aren't as talented and that, you know, one of them is only won two games, and that's against Texas or Big Twelve games. That's against Texas and Baylor and TCU. So, at some point, why why is this continuing under Tom Herman if he is getting better as a head coach? Because I mean, he was a he was a you know an inexperienced head coach. He was less experienced than Charlie Strong, and so we're seeing this consistently. Basically, the most consistent thing we've seen under Tom Herman's team since he came in. That Texas is inconsistency. And so at what point do people start wondering if this will ever change? You know, I, I, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm too harsh on the coaching staff. I don't know. I mean, Tom Herman, you know, he fired seven coaches last year after one down season. And now he's talking about consistency and how big that is in college football. And that's why, you know, players being in the same system is so key, yet he chose to make these changes. I mean, are we just seeing what, you know, the ups and downs of an inexperienced head coach and that's why we're seeing this ups and downs in this Texas team? Yeah, I mean, I think there's I think there's that. I I've I've taken Herman to task for the timing of his of his assistant coaching changes and I'm I've said I've I wasn't crazy about Todd Orlando's scheme, but I I wasn't sure about firing all the defensive coaches, but Tom Herman had his eye on Chris Ash. He wanted to hire his friend. Wanted to hire his friend. And, and, uh, and that's, that gets dicey. And the defense has been really bad. Uh, the offense hasn't been much better. And, and certainly it's been inconsistent at best. But 
Uh, yeah, it's coaching because the coaches have to put the players in the right position to be successful. And, and obviously the players have to hold each other accountable. And for some reason that hasn't really been the case, but I mean, I say that some of these penalties are, are penalties, you know, like the whole pass interference thing where they're playing through the receiver's hands and, and not turning and looking for the ball. That drives me crazy. But I, I mean, I get that if you're, if the receiver is past you, and all you can do is play through his hands. You can't turn. Then you're, you're looking at his hands. Mm-hmm. But there are times where the ball's underthrown and these defenders are running right into the receiver and it's pass interference because they they're not turning and looking for the ball. And in the past, they have been taught to turn and look for the ball. So this is a new thing for them. They're confused. They're making mistakes. They're probably losing some confidence, except for Deshaun Jameson, who never loses confidence. But it's it, it that's coaching. I yeah. mean, that's coaching. So, and then on offense, I, I thought Mike Yersich was a, a good hire. He abandoned the run against TCU. They ran the ball 24 times. You can't do that. He ran, he abandoned the run in the third quarter against OU. They got outscored 14 zip and gave up five minutes of time of possession in that quarter. That was a disaster. And so, you know, and, ever, and then people get mad at Sam Ellinger, and I'm sitting there going, okay, you got a guy who you know will come through at crunch time. You have, to, you have to put that guy in position to succeed. Whether he's holding the ball too long, clean him up. Yeah. Then tell him, you have to take the check down here, Sam. You have to take the check down. Quit looking down the field. Throw it to B. John Robinson. He's right there. And it's, you know, that part of it, I don't blame a guy who's shown you that he can win at the highest level against top competition and always has been, <laughs> has been rising to the challenge at the end of these games. Now, I get it. He's had some errant throws. He's playing hurt. He's had a, a quad contusion, a calf contusion, and these are on his plant legs, so he's in pain. He's not throwing like he should, but by God, you stick with him because he – does stuff like he did against Oklahoma State, goes 7 of 9 in the fourth quarter in overtime and 11 of 12 at the end of the Tech game. I mean, if you start throwing away Sam Ellinger, again, that's on Tom Herman because and his coaching staff. They've got to put these players in position to succeed because Sam Ellinger's shown you he can, he can deliver the goods when it matters most, and that's what you want in a quarterback. Yeah, you want when when the game is on the line, you don't want Sam Ellinger on the sideline, whether it's on the sideline because the defense are on, is on the field or some Texas fans that want him benched. I kind of I mean, I laugh every single time I see people say that, like, why on earth would you bench Sam Ellinger? He is the offense right now. He really is. And I know that doesn't that's not a great, you know, um, I guess it's not necessarily a great accomplishment because the offense has been <laughs> struggling a little bit, but still when it's mattered most, he's come through in the clutch. You know, he has helped force these overtime games. Um, and it's, it's kind of ridiculous, Chip, in my opinion, that Texas has been in overtime games in 50% of the games so far this season. I mean, that's ridiculous. This team is far too talented. And it goes to your point to show that the coaches are not putting them in position to win ball games without forcing overtime. That's on coaching 100%. And 
if that continues, at what point do we start questioning where the trajectory of this Texas program is headed, not just this year, not just in 2020, if we want to call this a wash of a year and wash your hands of it, whatever it may be, but where is it going if that continues to be an issue? Because 50% of the time that Texas has taken the field, they've needed extra time to even try to win a game. Yeah. I mean, Tom Herman wants you to believe that, you know, I, I kind of could not believe what he said about uh, this week saying it's at times it's like 11 true freshmen out there because they're in new schemes on offense and defense and new spe- I'm like, okay, stop. This is, he's got a bunch of juniors and seniors out there. He's got a bunch of guys who've had to learn a bunch of different plays under different coaches. They, they're smart. They know the, they should know the difference between man zone quarters, coverage, all that. And my gosh, Plays are plays in football. They just have different names. And Yursich is using Herman's terminology, except right. for a few things. And so, you know, there's got to be, there's got to be cohesion among the coaching staff. I think these players are together. I think they are playing for each other. I think they're trying. I don't think they're being put in position to to succeed all the time. Maybe that will change. We keep thinking, okay, maybe this is the lesson they needed. Maybe that's what need it needed, you know, to wake them up. And I'll say in Sam's defense, and I think we're going to see Jake Smith start in the slot for the second straight game, which would be, I think, the first time this season that the slot receiver would be starting two straight games. He does need consistency from that position because that is the central figure in the passing game at Texas. That's where Devin Duvernay caught 106 passes last year. That's where LJ Humphrey had a 1,000 yard receiving season the year before. And they got to get that figured out. There is some good news. We reported on Monday that Jordan Whittington was on pace to come back for Kansas, and Tom Herman confirmed that on Tuesday. But Jake Smith, you know, he finally had a game where seven catches, 70 yards, the two fourth down catches, including the, the fourth down touchdown catch, fourth and seven, Taylor, and they throw that 12-yard touchdown. I mean, that's clutch stuff from Sam Ellinger. And I, I told you, last year at Iowa State, I've never seen Sam so mad because they were down 20. Mm. And he brought them back. And they took that one-point lead, and then they ran it into the dirt, and he was so pissed coming off the field. Never seen him so mad. This guy can get it done, and he has gotten it done. And he needs help. I mean, he needs coaches who can put him in position to do what he does best, and then he needs guys around him who are not going to make mistakes and, and come up with the goods just like he's delivering them. And maybe it starts to go in their direction now that they've beaten a big-name team or whatever. But I have my doubts, Taylor. I mean, this is a flat spot for Texas this week. 11 a.m. kick, West Virginia surging. They've got a defense that's going to make life tough for Texas, for an offense that's made it tough all year on themselves. I think this is a this is a dangerous game for Texas. If they come out and they have it all together, then maybe this team has finally, you know, put it put it together. But 
Again, last week I said I was picking Oklahoma State because Texas just hasn't shown me that week-to-week improvement that would lead me to believe that, like Oklahoma, okay? Oklahoma, you know, they lose um, early, and and you're thinking, Ugh, wow, this Oklahoma team's not very good. But they, they've been getting better. Then they get Ramondre Stevenson back. They get Ronnie Perkins back, and they beat the crap out of Texas Tech, which had just beaten West Virginia. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, you – beat the bleep out of Texas Tech. They were up like 42 to 6 at halftime, and I'm going, whoa, here comes OU. Texas had their chance to get them early when Spencer Rattler was a little wide-eyed deer running across the street. Now this OU team's starting to put some stuff together. They're getting coached up. and Standard, or Spencer Rattler's benched against Texas, remember. Right, right. <laughs> Right, and now now you're waiting to see that kind of improvement from Texas because they got all these veterans. They got the four-year starter at quarterback. I mean, it, it's time. It's time. It absolutely, absolutely is, Chip. I couldn't agree more. And we'll uh, continue this uh, discussion here after a very short break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law Chip, I mean, this is just, I kind of feel like we're, we're having almost the same type of conversations week in and week out on our podcast. And it's, is this going to be a turning point for Texas? Is this going to be the time where it finally clicks? And it's really hard for me to think that going into this West Virginia game. I mean, I said um, on Horns 24-7 in our pregame chat that we had before the Oklahoma State game, you know, somebody asked me how I felt if Texas would, you know, make it a game. And I, I said, I said, sent my friend a text message that, smor- that morning because I got a text from uh, one of my girlfriends who said something similar asking me that. And I was like, honestly, with this Texas team, I totally can see them coming out and beating Oklahoma State and then returning home next week and losing to West Virginia. And I kind of still feel that way. And I, you know, I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here, obviously, because our lives are much more miserable when we're dealing with fans that are pissed off after a loss, especially a loss when they, they should win. And we've dealt with that a lot this year. <laughs> so I can promise you this is not a scenario where we're hoping that Texas doesn't, you know, rise to the occasion. But it's hard to really believe in this team, Chip. Yeah, I mean, Herman's teams have gotten off to such bad starts every season. The sad sack Maryland teams that beat Texas won with an interim coach. And then, you know, this year, right when you think you got it figured out, you don't. And you're expecting, you know, this 
team to to rise and that's the thing i mean herman can say oh it's like we have 11 freshmen out there what what's going on at arkansas <laughs> they have a whole new coaching staff barry odom brand new defensive coordinator taking walk-ons they have a walk-on who had three interceptions in one game i mean they're they're taking whatever they got and turning it into something productive and and arkansas should have beaten auburn you know they beat mississippi state i mean they're i don't know it's i'm with you i don't want to hear excuses i just want to see week-to-week improvement i don't care where you started it's where you are now mm-hmm. because you've had six weeks of football practice to get an idea of what you do well get that perfected and then dress it up in different formations that's football it's not like you're giving them a hundred plays and saying you got to know all hundred plays because you're not going to be good at a hundred plays you find out what you're good at and you take those 10 plays and you dress them up differently make them look different put some motion in there so the defense gets confused and go right and that's what's that's what's you know no one's buying this stuff about oh we got 10 true we got 11 true freshmen out there they're all juniors and seniors but oh my gosh we're we're doing like egyptian plays this year <laughs> we're doing it in arabic and so we're having in japanese so we need our players to learn new languages just to learn the football no no this is no. ridiculous i know and when tom herman said that um on in his press conference this week about sometimes it feels like there's 11 true freshmen out there. I was really glad I didn't, I had uh, taken a little bit of a later shower for it. So I didn't put my, my zoom camera on today or uh, when Tom Herman had his press conference, I just listened and I was really glad because I started laughing when he said that literally out loud started laughing. So I'm really glad that my video was not showing because I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. And then he's crediting, you know, Neil Brown in West Virginia for having nine of 11, you know, third, fourth, fifth year guys on the defense. And that's why their defense is so good. It's like, Tom, you had 10 of 11 that are third year or older players on your starting defense. (laughs) So uh, that just shows that they're coaching better than your staff is coaching. And these were coaches that you literally handpicked, fired, uh, all of your defensive staff, except for Oscar Giles last season, you handpicked these guys. And you can't match West Virginia that has a defense coordinator that was fired mid-summer and these players. I mean, it's just the excuses. I thought thought he would channel back. After the win, I thought he would just talk about going up against West Virginia. And, you know, the Wolves have been at his neck. And I get maybe under pressure you say oh yeah we're trying to catch up with as many reps as we can we know we missed a lot of reps that we needed and i that's that's great but that to sort of double down and say man it's like 11 true freshmen out there then okay then you're not doing a very good job of figuring out what your team does well and then you know getting them in position to do those things right my dad used right. to have the saying when I was younger, and it was complain and lose is what he would say to any, if we ever complained to him, especially in sports, because he was very much, if if we weren't playing very well, it was never, well, your coach, well, I'm going to talk to your coach because clearly they're doing something wrong. It was like, no, you're doing something wrong. Complain and lose. If you want to, if you want to complain, that's fine. Just keep losing. But if you want to fix it, do something about it. 
And I think that almost every press conference right now, I'm like, complain and lose, Tom. Complain and lose. <laughs> I hate well, it. My dad told me it. And it's like those things that your parents tell you that drove you nuts growing up. And then as you're an adult, you're like, wow, that actually is very smart. <laughs> right. Because obviously this is a big, big moment for, for Texas football in this season to either turn this thing around or have it be the the blip of bright light in this season before the lights go out. So every week we're watching this drama unfold to find out, is this something they're going to be able to sustain or was that them getting up for a, a, a higher ranked team and, you know, being the underdog. So Taylor, I know we could probably go on and on about this, but we'll, we'll uh, we got to get to the best part of the show, the everyone's favorite part of the show. Love it or leave it. You, uh, you ready for that? I certainly am, Chip. All right. So my first love it or leave it topic for you is love it or leave it. Tom Herman will finish at least one press conference this season without using 2020 no spring practice or new installation of defensive and offensive schemes as an excuse. I'm beginning to say no. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this because he doubled down after beating Oklahoma State. He came back with oh, it's like eleven true freshmen. So please prove me wrong, Tom. Yes. <laughs> uh, please prove me wrong. But at this point, I'm going to leave this because he seems to only be getting more emboldened about talking about ah, oh, we've had new schemes. We're 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 racing to get in these reps. I don't know. Ah. <laughs> I agree. I have to leave this. I mean, I'm, I, we should make it a drinking game, honestly. I've, if they didn't have press conferences at like noon, maybe that wouldn't be so atrocious if it was a drinking game. But hey, yeah. you can always watch it back on Longhorn Network. That's so, true. Yeah. Have it like a, a history dinner. Channel. <laughs> the history channel. They got the they got the seven o'clock edition of the press conference, the ten o'clock edition of the press conference. Just just check your local listings. Yeah. All right, Chip. So my second one for you. So we haven't really talked a ton about him, but Joseph Asai, obviously, we played or talked about a little bit, played like a guy with his hair on fire against Oklahoma State. He was the difference maker, the biggest difference maker, in my opinion, for the defense. But this is an interesting thing, Chip. So love it or leave it. You were stunned to learn that Joseph Osai is the first Power 5 player to record 12 tackles, six tackles for loss, and three sacks since Indomitian Sue did so against Texas in the 2009 Big 12 title game. Yeah, I'm going to love this because I was like, whoa, where did this come from? Yeah. And I will never forget that game as long as I live, and I'll probably never forget Joseph Osai running all over the place against Oklahoma State. And Dominican Sue, though, that was a Big 12 championship game. And wow, he was throwing Cole McCoy around like a rag doll. And he ended up with four and a half sacks in that game. Mm-hmm. And, and Cole McCoy probably wakes up at night and grabs his wife and says, Ah! <laughs> you know, night terrors. Right? I just had the Indomitian Sue dream again, you know. <laughs> and she's probably like, you know, already knows where the cold compress is. In case the Indomitian Sioux dream comes back, so that uh, that was an unforgettable game in that 2009 Big 12 title game. Let's hope that Joseph Osai's performance leads to something bigger and better for this Texas 
team, this Texas defense, because that kid is an unbelievable story. He's so relentless. Uh, the one thing I heard from Tom Herman that I found interesting that I'm going to write about uh, a little bit in the morning brew, make sure you're checking out the morning brew, uh, What is that they have to monitor him and Roshan Johnson's catapult numbers because they go too hard. Right. So it, it, I just, I love that kid. Uh, and I hope it works for him. And obviously he's putting himself in a good position to be a draft pick after this, his junior season. Oh yeah. I mean, he, he made himself some money for sure in that Oklahoma state game and has honestly probably all season long. And I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I love, I'm going to love that. I actually did not know about it until Chip pointed it out to me. And I was like, Whoa, that's shocking. Um, but I mean, Joseph Osai, I totally agree with you. You know, I kind of got some flax. I said something about how hard he plays on Twitter and that there's a handful of guys that you just never question essentially that play hard. And he's absolutely one of them. Some Texas fans did not like that take, but it is in my opinion, true. I mean, I don't know why you need overtime if your players are playing a hundred percent and your coaches are doing their job of getting them to play a hundred percent throughout the whole game. But I digress. But I, you know, with Joseph Osai, he's one of those guys that you're never going to question his effort. You're never going to question if he was mailing it in. You're never, those are words that you and I will never say. And that's how it's been since he's been at Texas, you know, and he was kind of a, you know, kind of that like silent growing giant for the last two seasons. And he had his first coming out party against Utah and Alamo Bowl. Um, to end last season, but my goodness, his performance against Oklahoma State. I mean, it was fun to watch that. Like, I love watching good defense, you know, and it's probably because my father-in-law is a defensive coach. I, I true, even though some people now don't think that defense is when defense wins championships anymore in college football, it still makes it a hell of a lot better and more fun to watch when you're watching a solid defense rather than a 75 to 72 shootout scoring match or something like that. But, you know, I, this he's so special, I think, in so many different ways. And as you mentioned, you know, his his story is fantastic too. So I I hope for his sake that he just continues to shine this way because and I and I hope that it becomes more contagious for the players around him because I mean look at like if you need to question or you know get guys to play with effort, maybe just put on Joseph Osai's film. Because my goodness, like if, you, if the coaching staff wants to get the most ex effort, be like, this is how you need to play week in and week out. Every practice, this is how you need to practice. And so, you know, great story for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I love that one. Yeah, Joe O. <laughs> All right, Chip. So love it or leave it, Ryan Bushevsky, who was raked over the coals for his performance against Oklahoma, definitely deserves some love after the Oklahoma State game. Yeah, I mean, we we do. He punted nine times, like Bueller, you know, nine times. <laughs> um, it was, and he, and he punted well. I mean, I was sitting right there uh, watching that ball go right up as high as the press box, and he consistently uh, put them in a in a tough spot, and they needed it. And then he had to go up in the air to grab a a snap on one of Dicker's field goals. And uh, I, I just thought Buczewski had a really good game, deserves a little bit of love because he lost his mind in the OU game. So when he took on the other team north of the Red River, he got it right. And, and they're going to need that 
they're going to need that from him because clearly this offense is is up and down and and all around and and he's going to need to uh, continue to to pin. Remember, he is Michael Dixon's cousin. Yeah. Everybody's you know waiting for him to do that little sort of reverse spin bounce back punt that Michael Dixon is now making Pro Bowl money off of with the Seattle Seahawks. But yeah, I will love this. Taylor, how about you? Yeah, I love it too. And um, it's kind of sad. I do kind of feel some uh, empathy a little bit for the, you know, him in this, because I actually saw that uh, Texas uh, sports information director, John Bianco had tweeted this uh, to start the week that Ryan Buschewski was, his performance was kind of lost in the shuffle for the game against Oklahoma state. And it took every ask me not to be like, Oh, that's weird that a specialist at Texas was lost in the mix considering Tom Herman doesn't call him by name, but (laughs) he definitely deserves that. You know, I mean, like I thought that um, Michael Dixon was a huge reason why Texas was even bowl eligible in 2017. I mean, he saved, he set up the defense that basically have to, I mean, other teams had to basically, you know, go 100 yards almost or at least 80 yards every single time that the uh, opposing offense took the field. That can wear you down a lot. So good specialists are so key, especially for punters. And they help out units that are struggling, whether it's a defense that's struggling or whether it's the offense that's struggling. You know, a solid punter is truly could be a big difference maker. Texas fans learned that firsthand in 2017. So, yeah, I think that we probably aren't giving enough credit to Buschewski for his performance, but he definitely deserves it. Yeah, I mean, if if you have a punter who can pin teams back inside their own five and their own ten, the play calling changes. Yep, uh, offenses have to be conservative. They can't risk throwing an interception down there, so they tend to just play for field position. And then if you get them punting from your own end, oh look, that's when Deshaun Jameson actually has room to operate, and and punters aren't punting from the fifty and angling balls out of bounds, and he can't return them. So. It, it does. It makes a, a big difference in terms of the field position. Okay. Can I ask you one? Absolutely. Okay. So I think most of our fans and most of the people probably listening to the flagship podcast uh, know that Texas tried to recruit Tony Fields, the Arizona graduate transfer linebacker who leads West Virginia in tackles and is second in the Big 12 in tackles per game. He wears number one for West Virginia, so you're not going to have a hard time finding him on the field Saturday at DKR. Uh, Taylor, love it or leave it, Texas fans are going to walk away from this game at about, mm, we'll say, three three o'clock <laughs> yeah, saying no. how on earth did we not land tony fields love it or leave it absolutely love it i completely agree i mean you and i talked about how big of a miss that was for texas leading up to the season we've talked about how um the linebacker play uh, you and i actually had some disagreements how you weren't as concerned if uh <laughs> Linebackers. Juwan Mitchell's probably had his two best games the last two, but he has played better for sure. But um, yeah, yeah, I think that missing on Tony Fields was a huge, huge miss. 
and he's showing it at West Virginia. There's a reason why Texas had him as essentially the number one type of grad transfer player that they tried to get. And it didn't work out for them since, um, you know, his position coach from Arizona went to West Virginia. But this is, yes, this is going to be a a name. I think that Texas fans are going to be leaving the stadium being like, what if, what if we had that guy? (laughs) What about you, Chip? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to love this. He had 15 tackles in the win over Kansas State. He was everywhere. And, you know, he got ejected from the first half of the Texas Tech game that they lost. and his his being out of that game played a role in the outcome of that game, just like Juwan Mitchell's, you know, ejection for targeting in the first half against TCU played a role in Texas losing that game. So there are just certain players, especially at that mission control position of middle linebacker, who if you have a special one, and I think Tony Fields is special. Juwan Mitchell is a, is a work in progress. He's been up and down in and out of the portal um, kind of a tough guy to, to, you know, I don't know, just kind of a different cat, you know, and it, it kind of likes to march to his own beat and even amongst his teammates. And that's been, uh, tough at times, but it looks like things are starting to come together. But Tony Fields pay attention to number one for West Virginia, because there are only a couple linebackers I've covered in my life who were like, wow, mm-hmm. Derek Johnson, late in his Texas career, early he overpursued everything. But um, Zach Thomas at Texas Tech was phenomenal and reminded me of Britt Hager when he was at Texas. He just knew where the ball was going and he got there. He weeded through the traffic and made the play. Tony Fields is that way. So he's going to be fun to watch, unfortunately. He's going to be playing for West Virginia and not Texas. But, hey, let's see how the team handles the the week, the big win. Sam Ellinger maybe gets a little more healthy on that left calf because that was a really painful injury for him. And I know that it he didn't practice much at all last week, certainly not in the 11-on-11 work. And so – He's been severely limited in practice. Cade Brewer's been severely limited in practice. Sozo Sai with that left shoulder. I mean, that here we are talking about him putting up that Andomican Sue performance and he's, his left shoulder's in a brace. Yeah, he was for, injured. For crying out loud. So um, we'll, we'll be back to talk about it. And don't forget to uh, tune in to our flagship podcast preview. We'll do an interview um, with our crew from the West Virginia 24-7 sports site, earsports.com, and that will be out on Thursday. Over Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Everybody get over to iTunes, maybe uh, if you're feeling it, give us a five-star rating, a little review. We'll read on, on the air. Um, and until next time, everybody uh, stay safe and keep the faith. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.